Hey everybody, welcome back to a special episode of Swedenborg and Life. We've got our question panel show, which is a favorite of mine because we get to really dig into the thoughts of the audience. We get to hear your questions. We usually have to not get to all of them, but today we're going to do our best to do as much like pseudo answering as possible or answering to the best of our abilities. We have uh, some great people to help me do that. This is Cara Dom, Latin consultant for the New Century Edition of the Works of Emanuel Swedenborg. Thanks for coming, Cara. Mm-hmm. And over here we have with us Dr. Dan Sinisvet, professor of philosophy at Bernathan College, who's been on the show a number of times. And then we have Chelsea, who's writing uh, for Swedenborg and Life and doing all kinds of other super important stuff at Swedenborg Foundation, including um, winemaking. Right? <laughs> I, before, we were just for, like talking as the countdown happened. When should we introduce our, our wine thing? But I think now. I think now is the time. So will you yes. like, tell us what that's all about? Sure. So a few weeks ago, we did a show called Spiritual Fermentation. Check it out if you haven't seen it already. Off the Left Eye YouTube channel. And so for that, you know, we sort of go into the spiritual parallels in the process of fermentation and how it reflects our spiritual growth. And for part of that, um, we thought it would be fun if we got our own small batch winemaking kit and actually did it ourselves to see, can yes. we do this? And you can see during the show little yep. clips of us. Yep. So we got good footage of winemaking. And so then we carried the process to its completion. And Dun-dun-dun. I even made little wine yeah, so, label. so she and we're, we're working on a camera close up here, but she walked in with that today, and I did not realize it was going to look that good. Hopefully, you can read the title of it. Uh, you'll probably you, so it's called Dewine Providence. But what's that? What's that on the bottom? Down there? on it's the hard bottom to read. is the kind of wine that it is. It's a Merlot. We're calling it the Merlower Earth, which is like a spiritual world pun because Swedenborg says there is this level. Anyway, um, we would give this out to you, our audience, uh, but we don't know the liquor laws so you're just gonna have to enjoy that i I just thought that was awesome that label looks sharp anyway (laughs) i said we're gonna answer questions let's actually do that okay so let's get to our first one um because no sense stalling unless we need to wait for the first question to to pop up you know um so marvin so are we to transform our ego instead of destroying it now this I think is relating to the show that we just did, which we did a show called The Infinite in You, which is basically the, the dichotomy between our sense of independence and this connection we have to the divine. So there is this part of us that's like fiercely independent and tends toward negative behavior. Is the point to destroy it or, or is there something, is there another path for us? So um, I guess I already called on Chelsea about the one, but, <laughs> but Dan, do you have any thoughts on that as a, as a topic? Yeah, I, w- I would say um, the point is not to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is supposed to be a gift or ego in the sense of I feel life is my own. Um, if we're made in the image and likeness of God and God is a self or is the self, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then we have an image and likeness of that. We have uh, the, re- the representative of a self, I would say, or, or an as of self. And that's something we're supposed to enjoy when it is rightly ordered. Um, the the affection for it is rightly ordered when it's when it's to use a spatial metaphor for something that's spiritual when it's lower yep. here and uh, love of the neighbor and love to the Lord is higher yes. than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, I think transform is a good because yeah. the the reordering is actually a change in the form. So transforming to to reform, I think that's a great yeah. word for it. Actually, what, so Carl, what is that? What is that transformation? Like, what what is it? How do you transform a, an ego to get it to the right? Uh, what do you call latitude, longitude? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, I don't think you can destroy the ego. Right. It's, it's essential for your existence. Just your like Dan said, the sense of self. But every time that you choose. Those higher loves, higher loves, love to the neighbor, love to the Lord, that is starting to flip it right so that the the, right. the sense of self is serving those other loves. It's not reigning over the mm-hmm. other loves. It's like incremental change. Yeah. In- incremental change of, of, of choosing, of shunning evil and turning to the good. Um, Easier said. Than done. Right. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, do you have any... 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because you and you put a lot of writing time into that episode that we just did, the infinite in you. So I'd love to hear what 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 else didn't we get to say yeah, about something, it? Yeah, something something we didn't get to say is the sort of biblical imagery that is um, that portrays the doctrine of the proprium in the word, and part of it is uh, flesh. Flesh is this idea of a it can have a positive spin, which is a proprium that's been brought to life by the Lord, so it's turned mm-hmm. right side up. Or flesh can be the complete, you know, not good flesh, like the, uh, you know, there's scriptures that talk about flesh in a really negative way. Sure, and Peter Rhodes in, in that episode said, he quoted uh, from somewhere, uh, take the heart of stone out of you and give mm-hmm. you a heart of heart flesh. Heart of flesh, right. right. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about, like, if you were to destroy your ego, it would be like having a body made of flesh with no bones. You know, like, because yes. your ego, I mean, the proprium is the bones, like, and the, the, uh, is it in Ezekiel where there's the valley of dry, dry bones and they get added dry. flesh to right. it? That's, that's that proprium being brought to life. So the Lord's life flowing into it yeah. and it being raised up. And that's also why Jesus says, you need to eat my flesh. <laughs> like, the sort of mm. intense words that he teaches yeah. his disciples and they say, this is a strange like, teaching. Did yeah. you mean to say, um, eat my flesh? <laughs> right. It means that all real life is from the Lord. And so we have to mm. sort of turn away from our flesh, like what would be believing that our proprium is life in itself, to, you know, opening ourselves up to the Lord's flesh or living, you know, living from the Lord. Yeah. Whenever I hear that, that I think of Lion King, like when Simba and Nala find the elephant graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. That's neither here nor there. Um, so, all right. I, I was. Yeah, can I just add one thing? Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, I, I think that's a good question because there. I think there is um, associated with, you know, certain religions or spiritual processes. The the idea that you do need to absolutely extinguish mm, right the the self and and sort of all sense of yourself. Um, and. And that's not Swedenborg's message, uh, but but that if you if you reorder it, um, and it's I think it's a sort of Zen-like paradox. The more you mm-hmm. forget the old self or the the selfish sense of yourself, and really, um, you know, are focused on other people, serving them, and and serving what's really good and useful, um, the more sense of life. You have, mm-hmm. and and I think in the philosophical and psychological literature, if you look at the concept of flow, yes, that when right. people and and athletes and you know a lot of people will experience this, that when you are really focused on something else, and you forget the dear self, yes, um, you just feel tremendously alive, exactly. and and particularly when there's something reciprocal going on, mm-hmm. you know. So for me as a professor, when I see the light bulbs going on, my students and my students are saying. Oh, you mean that's what this means? And I say yes, and, they, and yeah. I, I am complete. I, I don't even exist to myself. But boy, do yes. I feel alive when I'm doing something like that. It's a great, it's a great example that it's not any longer about, uh, you know, here I am, professor. There's student. How am I performing? How do we? All, yeah, you're focused, looking at the transfer of idea. Yeah, and you're just captivated in yeah. the moment by that. That's great. Yeah, it's like being in the zone, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that when you're in the zone, you forget about yourself, and yet in that process, you feel most yourself, yeah. you know, because you're so satisfied. There's like a parallel paradox. Uh, I was just reading in Swedenborg. He says that, you know, the deeper you go into heaven or into this heavenly mindset, the more you wish for everyone else to be happier mm. than you. However, the more you wish that, the happier you become. Right. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the people who, who really want to be, the, like, I want everyone else to be happier than me, they gain so much happiness mm-hmm. from that. So we but get, also, yeah. oh, sorry. No, 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 it, it no. Just I was going like, to, like, segue, but don't, don't the, worry. As we um, <laughs> talks about the heavenly proprium, that angels have this heavenly proprium or ego right. or a sense of self. Yes. And that the more connected to God they are, the more they feel like themselves, mm-hmm. like yeah. they have a life separate, and and that's required for an ability to be conjoined is this separate sense of self. If right. you're if you're all mushed into one vagueness, there's no separate things to join together. Yes, because mm-hmm. as Dan said, God is this self, like like this intrinsic These. self. So if we don't have some kind of proxy experience of that, we can never 
have a you know, you know what I mean, right? We can never have a shared experience yeah. where we both gone through the same thing. I think we should go to the next question. Okay. We can talk about this one forever. But also, I think we should go because I forgot to say you can get your questions in. Like you, you guys, the audience <laughs> can submit questions. I mean, the, this is these are all from the audience. So if you're there on YouTube or Facebook, type up your questions and, and we'll grab them and answer them. So let's see if anyone has done that anyway. It says Scott on YouTube. I just read the physical world can't exist without the spiritual world. What about the other way around? So, can the spiritual world mm. not exist without the physical world? Um, mm. And I know that there's some commentary about foundations, you know, foundations. and the, the, the necessity of not just the physical world, but the people in the physical world supporting even heaven. But do you guys have any further thoughts on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think about... I was just sort of trying to wrap my head around something along these lines. And um, this, you know, when we talk about, even when we talk about the proprium or the sense of self that could somehow be, live apart from the Lord, when it's like, actually, the Lord's life is never not present or we would just stop existing. Mm-hmm. You know, we would just lose all consciousness. Um, and so even in people who have turned away from the Lord, the Lord is still giving them life to get the experience of existing. And in a similar way, like the Lord is the infinite and you'd think, or he's the uncreated, you know, the uncreate. And so, but that the Lord is always creating. That's like a part of who he is, is to create the finite universe. And so in a way, the Lord would never want to exist apart from having a Mm. created universe that he could have a reciprocal partnership with. Um, And uh, so in, in a similar way, that sort of I would say that, yes, the physical, the spiritual world can't exist without the physical world. I don't know if he, Swedenborg is clear that the physical world is from the spiritual world, like it's a, it's a uh, effect from its cause, but, um, but at the same time, it's, the Lord is always wanting to manifest in that way, so it would never not sure. manifest. And he, he does say that without, without an effect, cause is, is nothing. You know, that, that you can't have one without the other. But yeah, Dan, did you have something? Well, yeah, just that um, there's this idea of if, if, the, if God's really infinite, then there's going to be this fullness of expression. Mm. Uh, in other words, let's, let's say that God really is infinite love. Um, it doesn't really make sense if he would go halfway. Mm. So, you know, just as we have a couple of moms here and a couple of dads, um, you know, why, why would we just go halfway to express our love to our children? You know, if we really felt that love, then we would not just think about um, helping a sick child or, or uh, you know, pour half a teaspoon of the recommended dough. You know, sure. we, would, we would really fully try to find that full expression of okay. the love. That's um, good parental advice. Let me write so, <laughs> so, so there's that. And um, he really, uh, there's this idea of the fixedness of the natural world. Yeah. You know, that there's time and there's space and there's limits. And these, um, these have a way of, of really making things real in, a, in a, a way that's absolutely necessary because the relationship between the natural world and the spiritual world is an organic one. You know, one influences the other, um, uh, cause and effect, but, you know, what happens down here in, the, in terms of the vessel or the bowl, um, you know, does, you know, affect the, how the inflow is, mm-hmm. is, is being received. And, um, the, you know, there are passages in which he's, he's, he uses some philosophical language to say, well, I, I'm, you know, the spiritual world and just sort of thinking about things or willing them but not really doing them. You know, this, this is, he calls these, this is idealistic dreamers. Mm-hmm. Okay, that you, you really, if you really love something, if you really intentionally, you know, uh, want to make it happen in freedom, then you take action, you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, just as the Lord does too, He, you know, is totally acting all the time, yep. right down to the natural. Mm-hmm. And you think, uh, why don't we just suck everybody out of Earth and put them all in heaven? We, we, why don't we all go be in heaven mm. together? But Swedenborg says that actually angels. You, you think of angels helping us, 
that, that that's what they're they're doing. But actually, we are also providing a service to angels because right. we are sort of the, the termination of their thoughts. Like mm-hmm. we, we're sort of the the bottom level. He makes a, he cites a parallel to this in the the nature of biblical correspondence yeah. that the 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 natural sense, the outermost level, is necessary to hold the ones above it. And he describes the physical world sort of like skin. You know that you, without right. that you can't you can't have these higher levels. And as we were discussing, we were writing this last show, a part a, a part of you that's formed in the physical world. Yeah. He even says like the the purest physical substances yeah. accompany you to the spiritual. Whatever that means, <laughs> there's there's you've gotta you gotta pick up your key card or whatever that is here yeah. in order to be a spiritual. So you couldn't have the spiritual world, whether or not it could exist, it couldn't function well. Without the physical world, yeah, mm-hmm. he even calls it that a border. You pick yeah. up a border while you're in the world here, oh, and yeah. that remains, Limbus, yeah. and that's that yeah. like distinction. Yeah. And something like, I mean, I'm hogging the mic here, but like the. Um, that's why we got you one. The uh, <laughs> the, the Swedenborg talks about how the Lord's intention is a heaven from the human race. Like that's the end in view is just to create this finite creation that he can have a reciprocal partnership with that he can bless from himself and you know love like you said have an expression of his love um but for that there's that whole essential like cycle that the lord operates in where it's from like from himself all the way to the outermost part which there he creates free human beings in this natural world who then die and become the spiritual world you know Mm -hmm. populate the spiritual world and become heaven if they choose to, and that that, you know, he can't create. That's 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 why it's such an essential principle of Swedenborg's writings that he God doesn't create angels apart who people who weren't once beings in the natural physical world, um, because the Lord can't just go bink, you know, oh, I just put a new angel in the spiritual world. He has to work according to this design of coming down, creating free human beings in the physical world who then can populate the spiritual world. Sure. So in that way, that totally shows that essentialness of the physical world. Everything is, is process-oriented. I mean, you, if, you, yeah. if, if we're seeing a world here yeah. that's created by God, everything's in order. The way a plant grows, I'm trying to grow some plants in my garden right now, they've got to have all the necessary conditions. They've got to progress from you know seed to shoot to stem to hopefully flower at some point. And that's the way everything works. Why wouldn't yeah. it work on a larger scale as well? Yeah. Um, I feel pretty good about this one. Should we like... Oh, no, no. Okay, just one thought. That's what I say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just say something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that the words, the words are uh, somewhere. He talks about how the physical earthly world is the basis, containment, and support of the spiritual world. Mm. And that... Yeah, it's like a grounding, literally a grounding for the spiritual world, and that reminds me too of what how he describes the Word or the Bible. That um, the Bible has these inner spiritual meanings, mm-hmm. but the most powerful, he says, the most powerful is the literal sense because it has all of the layers in that outmost right. Right. layer. So. Yeah. It seems like it's th- that bottom level is very important to the integrity of the whole thing. Yeah. Good. So it makes us feel good about inhabiting it for a little while. <laughs> yes. Right. It's very All useful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's see who else has got something for us. This is Shelley on YouTube. How do our loved ones who have passed feel when we cry and mourn over losing them? And I see an asterisk by feel there. I'm not sure of its representation. Um, so, what do you guys think? I mean, this is. This is a pretty important question. I mean, we, where yeah. anybody who's got an interest in spiritual world kind of stuff has got to also have an interest in reunions and, and partings. Mm-hmm. And so, what? How does how does emotion carry from from one side to another? You know, um, do do we have uh, do we have the same kind of relationships? Do we get do the people that get their care that we're uh, we're thinking about them here? Dan, do you have thoughts on that? Or Carl, well, did you want to go? First? Oh, I just have a thought. I, um, you know, Swedenborg talks about how love is the real thing. Uh, love is yeah. God. God is the only thing that exists. Yeah. If love is the real thing, then there's some lasting connection with our loved ones. Right. Um, so I think, I, I imagine, though, that when they're in the other world and they're fine and they're happy and they're in the light of heaven and everything, that they, if they're thinking about us, are hoping that we would find some comfort and um, that we would know 
they're okay, mm-hmm. and you will be too when you get here, kind of thing. Yeah, know. we. That's just conjecture. He says that we take no. That's but that's good conjecture. I mean, this, <laughs> this whole thing is you know we're conjecturing that Swedenborg is accurate and, <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> right. But Swedenborg says that we we take our personalities with us. I mean, we're still us on the other side. Yeah. So you, you know, think about the person if they were still alive and saw you crying and doing all that. You know, it's not like they're going to completely convert into this new being. So there's going to be still... They may have a different perspective on life. You have people who go through near-death experiences and kind of get their life review, and they see the bigger picture. They may have, they may even have a different perspective on our suffering. If they're aware of it, they know that, oh, yeah, this hurts, but it's temporary. But still, mm-hmm. they're still them. And it's not like... You think about if, if a good movie was made about angels... You would think like, how are they going to be portrayed? They're going to be wise, but they're going to be human. You know, like they're going to have like a, like I know we're not supposed to talk to them, but I really want to. You know, something <laughs> like you know, that would be like an emotionally accurate portrayal. Or that's what I think. Dan, did you have some some more on that? Yeah, I was just thinking about um, on the radio this morning. There was a an interview with um, uh, a singer who had lost his mother, hmm. and um, she. As she was passing away, she was telling him, you know, really the the main thing in life is love. And she said, the, the, you are my good. You're my value. You, If you just keep going forward and doing what's right, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. And this was a man who had been homeless on the streets and, mm-hmm. you know, going through a really hard time. And, and the song is about changes. Mm-hmm. And it's an extremely emotional song. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he sang it, he was talking about how... Someone in the audience, he, he came out into the audience afterwards and, um, you know, there was a guy who was saying he had just lost his parent and uh, they, he said, we just cried together for a few minutes. And, you know, if there's, so that, that's an expression of, of affection and affections are derivatives of love. And um, even though in philosophy there's this big debate about whether love lasts or not, and you know now love has many a lot of different meanings and connotations to it. Sure. But you know, Swedenborg is really clear in that that love is not um, a psychic state that is uh, mm-hmm. an epiphenomena of your right. you, you know electrochemical neural reactions or something like that. Yep. Um, it's it's actually the reality. stuff. It <laughs> is reality. Yeah, yeah. And so there's. Even though there isn't um, always, you know, direct one-to-one communication between us here, our forms of consciousness, and and people in the spiritual world and their form of consciousness, you know, the, it's it's not a brick wall. It's you know, there's there's permeability there, mm-hmm. right? It's it's mm-hmm. a membrane, but there's mm-hmm. stuff does go back and forth. There's flowing back and forth, and um, you know, I've read accounts and and I've known relatives too who have been in distress over uh, the loss of a family member. And the next thing they know, um, they had a dream. And their sister had a dream the same night. And in the dream, they saw their parents. And their parents' mouths didn't move, but somehow they communicated to them that we are okay. Mm -hmm. We found each other, and we're Mm -hmm. very happy, Mm -hmm. and everything is peaceful. And yeah. and then it's up to us. Um, you know, one relative will say, "Well, that was just a dream," you know. So you're allowed to be a skeptic. And another relative will say, "Well, that's because they're still alive, and you know, they're yeah. they're in the spiritual world, and they love each other, and they still love you, and they care about you, and they want to let you know." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to say relative too is right. I mean. What's the intent behind that message? Yeah, I mean that, that's obviously meant to be healing, and which yeah. would indicate an awareness of yeah. of uh, that. Hey, it's it's rough getting right. getting left here, and we think about the spiritual world. A lot of people will kind of accept the idea that it's it's superior in in ways to this. Like it's more expansive, it's more beautiful. There are more colors there. That people report these kinds of things, and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, the emotions are not going to be less spectacular there. You know, you think about that scene with that singer and that guy occurring in this world. Right. The, 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 just the heart of that and the meaning of that. It's not like you, you get over there and we're all kind of like these floating heads that don't... It's got to be twice right. as much there or, yeah. or more. So you'd think, yeah, whatever, whatever they would be feeling if they saw us here, they're feeling more yeah. there yeah. at times. Yeah. I think people like talk about, sometimes they even describe an experience as spiritual in this world of like um well i was going to say like definitely the two main qualities that come to mind that i think any 
like of a loved one wanting to communicate back to the people they've left is like comfort and perspective, you know, like those are sort of two side by side. And, um, but you think about, you know, our experience in this world can be sort of, it's limited, you know, limiting in perspective and comfort. Um, yeah. But there are moments like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, I feel like there have been definitely times in my life and sometimes it's like, you know, birth and death or just a really traumatic happening can suddenly like suck the air out of the room in a way where it's like nothing else matters, but entire, it's like all of a sudden it's incredibly clear what's important, you know, mm-hmm. like, and sometimes like a really, some disaster happening or the bedside of some, of somebody you love or the birth of a child, you're not worried about how you look anymore. You don't, <laughs> you don't care about, you know, yeah. Oh, what is that person going to think of me? Like all of that stuff just falls away and you're just present. And, and I feel like that's, people talk about that being like the veil thinning, you know, mm, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. There's this experience that I think really is spiritual and substance that, you know, as far as like, how do our loved ones who have passed feel when we cry and mourn or we're losing them? I would think they're probably in that presence, mm. you know, where they're not mm. necessarily feeling like, cause they have perspective. They have like, you know, an experience of comfort that they could be, you know, I guess present in that feeling, but in those sort of like, you know, powerful moments. If, mm-hmm. it, if they're, if they're closer to God, then it's just, the question sort of is, how does God feel about us when all this mm-hmm. stuff is happening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be an extension. You know, if whatever upgrades they have in their feelings towards us, God is that to an infinite degree. So yeah, if we can figure this out, we got, we, we've got some good info there. Um, and not to get, not to bring religion into this, but <laughs> Swedenborg talks about when misfortune or, or intense events put sort of our worldly concerns to bed, like, like just like you're describing. And then from there, it, you sense what's important. And if they're if they're in that state more often, they're going to know. Uh, I love what you said, uh, comfort and perspective. That 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 is what they bring, and and sort of what. I feel like that's what spiritual truths bring to us. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping we bring in this show is comfort and perspective. So Mm -hmm. let's see if we can bring that to the next question. (laughs) Blender. What's up, Blender? Blender's been a fan of ours for a while, or a friend or whatever we want to call him. Uh, What part of Swedenborg's teachings do you have a problem with or resonate with the least? How do we not throw the baby, uh, throw out the baby with the bath water? Mm. Yeah, and that saying... Came from the Middle Ages when the bathwater would get so dirty because people bathed like once a year that you like couldn't see a baby if it was in it. I don't know if they would really put babies in there. Um, all right, so let's let's think about what's the least favorite stuff. Um, uh, you know, he doesn't give very clear, satisfying uh, answers on animals in ecology. Uh, this is one particularly like I love nature. I love ecosystems, how they work, that kind of stuff. He'll talk about phenomena there um, just appearing. Like, you know, a bird will appear in response to thought, which just makes for a good story. But I'm like, there's so much joy in the systems of nature. You know, is there really, is it really, that, that almost seems like it's just, it, it seems less real there. The, the way that, because here it's like right. if you're going to have a bird, there's got to have been a previous bird that was able to find a nest and it's got to be adapted for its niche and and I so to me as I understand it right now it's that's less satisfying his his description of ecology uh, in the spiritual world however the reason why I stick around and do Swedenborg shows is I I think okay there's something I'm missing there's no way that it's actually like cooler here than there um so there's got to be some kind of correspondence like there is this spiritual ecology um, and maybe he wasn't even aware of all the, the levels of it. Um, so I would say it's that and then aliens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which we're going to do a show on soon. Yeah. Which we're going to... Well, we I just was talking... I always said we're going to do his, his show about, about his alien stuff. But we'll get to it soon. So and does anybody else have a... What's your beef with Swedenborg? Like, say it now. He, he can't stop us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, I had the one thought that I think... Uh, Jonathan Rose is credited with saying it. The like sometimes in Swedenborg you have to ride loose in the saddle. <laughs> you know, sure, you gotta exactly. just like all right, get over these bumpy parts or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so one 
one area where I have to ride loose um, is uh, around, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, it has to do with like gender and gender distinctions. And like, and I think there's, you know, a long history of the human race maybe using gender discrimination in a negative way, but I don't, you know, Swedenborg's not saying, oh, well, their gender doesn't matter. He's, he's very clear about sort of these distinctions between the genders. Yeah. And um, he even like amplifies it. Definitely. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. You're male and female after in death. In spirit. Yeah. Yep. And, um, but part of like what, one of the teachings that that comes down to is this idea that in a human, the spirit comes from the father and the hereditary evil comes from the mother. <laughs> sorry. I'm still if you don't know what hereditary, if you don't know what hereditary evil is, check out our show. What show was so, it? Yeah, one of our well, recent shows. The Infinite in You. The Infinite yeah. in You. Um, yeah. And so, but so this part where he he talks about it a lot when it comes down to Jesus incarnating in this world because his father was the infinite, and then he came to Mary where he got the human proprium, which was the access to the evil of just the corrupted self or corrupted proprium or whatever. Yeah. And so then he had to put off the human nature that he got from Mary, and then he gets to become divine. And then so he also just says this kind of very sort of male-heavy of, like, all your sort of good things about your spirit come from your dad and not so much from your yeah. mom. Um, and uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, I have to ride loose in the saddle because um, one is in some ways that's just sort of not corroborated with modern research. Um so you just sort of have to think, okay, let's put everything in context here. But another very interesting thing is there is interesting research I was recently hearing, and it was making me think, oh, that reminds me of Swedenborg. And that's why it's important to like sort of ride loose in the saddle is that um, people who were studying PTSD found that there was a stronger lineage of you could actually inherit trauma, especially through your mom. Mm. And not so much through your dad. Mm. Interesting. And it yeah. might have to do with being carried in the womb, the kind mm. of like cellular mix that you can have mm. um, that is mother focused. Yeah. And so that actually, so not only are they researching that PTSD can be passed down, so you can actually be born that and you is, have. That's news to me. You're mm. born traumatized, yeah. you know, which we know that physically you can be born addicted, but yeah. to actually experience yeah. emotional trauma. Mm. Like they, they studied it with them. Um, uh, Holocaust survivors, mm. um, and, or second generation, mm -hmm. right? But that this interesting parallel with it being the mother. So I, I just like to sort of spin things that sound at first like really negative and kind of turn them on their head and realize that maybe there's some like really interesting wisdom in there. Mm -hmm. And so like this idea that oh, women getting sort of like oh, you're just hereditary evil, you know, or something men are better or something like that yeah. it's sort of like oh wait there's this like powerful role maybe that women play in being able to process trauma i don't know you know like it's just sure. gender can be such a tender territory mm -hmm. of like well you don't want to be sort of how do you respect gender differences or even the multiplicity of genders that there can be you know it's not strictly binary so how do you kind of navigate those questions and i think swedenborg brings a lot of things to thought and a lot if you're not open-minded about it, you can get pretty narrow pretty fast and use it in a some in a harmful way. So yeah, I thought there you did, go. Didn't he say at some point too, too though that um, fathers do pass on evil that you can never get rid of? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I think he I, talks about the soul it being in the sperm. Like that, you but can, I didn't get the idea that. You get no heredity that, from your that you can because yeah. I because otherwise I've been stressing about nothing you know um, <laughs> but I think that it's like you know no, like right. like you Jesus it from could your parents yeah. grandparents you know like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so uh, you, the the good news is we're all disasters to our children <laughs> yeah. in our own way but anyway, in our own so, unique way yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to say there is like when you're reading Swedenborg probably the parts that I resonate the least with are these like little sentences that'll sort of pop out at you and you're like, hold on a second, that's not true. You know, that's patently not true or something. Yeah. And but I think if, if in context and then held in balance with other right. things. Right. Well, I think know. when you say ride loose in the saddle, it makes me think of if we had a fifth mic here and there was Swedenborg, even at the time he was writing this, you know, would he say, no, that's not what I meant by that Latin <laughs> yes. phrase. Yeah, but, right. Like it, it actually means, anyway, Dr. Dan, do you have yes. a... Well, yeah, I was... I mean, um, 
I, on, on your topic, I, I was I was struck by in in reading his work on on married love or conjugal love. There's there's a there's a sentence about out of all the you know things that the Lord created, you know, none was created more perfectly than woman. I think, well, as a man, uh, <laughs> you know, right. that's you know. So I mean, you know, it, you goes, Jesus. it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Um, right. No, but um, well, he does, and he also says that without without a woman, man, a man becomes stupid and yeah, arrogant. Right. And yeah. so it's like but, pick your pick what you want to be offended by. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But Equal to get, opportunity offender. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say to get to get to, to the question. Um, you know, when when I was pursuing philosophy, my degree in philosophy, and, and looking at passages in philosophy, in the writings, uh, the heavenly doctrines. You know, he, he has lots of negative things to say yeah. about philosophy, and more oh, negative things than positive things. So that you know, yeah, that, right. that didn't yeah. feel quite affirming yeah. Yeah, um, totally. to me. But but I think um, one of the things, like you said, if there was a fifth mic and he was here, yeah, he would he would say. And I can tell you this from a student's perspective. He would say, well, I'm, I'm already doing my best to explain very complicated things <laughs> as, as simply as I can. Uh, and I'm, I'm already heavily qualifying almost everything that I say. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, you, and people are still really struggling with my sentences mm -hmm. and my paragraphs and, and trying to hold all my ideas together in connection. And so I think he would say, well, yeah, if you keep reading or if you read more widely or things like that, you'll find that yes. the, the it ideas rounds are, out. It, it rounds out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. which is what you find with philosophy, too. Right. When, I, when I sat down and I gathered all the passages that I could find that related to philosophy, you get a much fuller picture rather than the one sentence that's you know says philosophy is this terrible awful thing yes. that yes. will turn your mind into bone and yes. and and darken it and and worst among the philosophers is yeah, well just, you know it's just the worst thing yeah. you can, and makes you more stupid than uh, 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 yeah. you know so there but if there are other, but you keep reading, and there are other places where he, where he says, well, among the most useful sciences that we have are yes. ethics and you know philosophy, and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. thank you, good. You, you, you have outlined why we started this show. I mean, this yes, show yeah. started. I was reading through long excerpts of Swedenborg, but I I thought, okay, I'm going to read with these people because if you're encountering Swedenborg for the first time, he's going to say something that that. Um, Unless you have the whole picture, you're going to take a certain way. For example, yeah, at the yeah. beginning of the book, uh, Our Life After Death, which we read, which is just an excerpt of the World of Spirits section from Heaven and Hell, he begins that by saying, the World of Spirits is neither heaven nor hell, but a place halfway in between, where we go before we are either drawn up into heaven or cast, cast down into hell. <laughs> oh, okay. Which you guys will laugh at because you know that in other places he yes. explicitly says, nobody gets cast into hell. People are casting themselves. People are yearning for it. It looks like, you know, yeah. but, it, but at that moment, he doesn't bother to that. say anything. Right. And you're just like, <laughs> so th this whole show essentially started with, a, okay, we have the more of the whole picture loaded into the brain. So we're going to be here like, wait, it's okay. Keep reading, keep reading. So anyway, yeah. Cara, do you have uh, thoughts on the the worst of the worst of Swedenborg. <laughs> yeah, I guess in general it would be, um, uh, well, yes, I've, uh, I've had joking conversations about how Swedenborg's an e equal opportunity offender. Lots yes. of people get uh, slammed by yeah. Swedenborg. Yeah. And so... Sort of whole groups. Uh, yeah, whole group. So that's the yeah. thing. Nationalities and races. Religions. And religions. Religions like crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just... Intellectuals, yeah, yes. yes. Anybody who's simple, learned, simple women. people too. <laughs> simple people, yeah, yeah. 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 Women, yes. yeah. Men, yeah. yeah. Learned, ignorant, but anyway. So um, there's some spots where he is sort of uh, sketching out the personality of different nations in Europe. Like oh, the Germans right. are yeah. this way, right. and the Dutch yeah. are this way, and <laughs> it's kind people. of interesting to <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not acceptable it just to do. Simply isn't done. That's right. <laughs> So it's it's interesting to to see if like oh can I am I aware of any sort of truth in these generalizations? But generalizations in general are dangerous. To make a generalization, <laughs> yes. And apparently, the mode of 
discourse at that time was this polemic thing mm. where it's like I'm right and I'm arguing strongly against any other case. Yeah. Um, so I like it, yeah. it's a philosophical theology in that regard. I yeah. mean, he he yes. really. I mean, he actually uses technical philosophical language. Yeah. Uh, specific terms and then also the way his thought is structured too he says well I, if you recall you know 10 pages earlier I said this and then I said this and then I said this and so it now follows that yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if you look at you know, he's saying, well, I gave you these propositions as premises, and now here's the conclusion yeah, yeah. and I mean that is yeah that's yeah, I was, like philosophical style how do we not throw out the baby with the bathwater? I would say like yeah, riding loose in the saddle. And my other two main things would be paying attention to context, like that. Yeah. Understanding mm-hmm. what are his, what is his rhetoric? What, what, who's his audience? What is he yeah. writing about? Yeah. What did he learn growing up? You know, what was his education? All this stuff. Like, it, I think it's valuable to look at his life context, um, and then also finding core principles. The whole, like we sort of say the bigger picture, but another way to say that is to like what are the core mm. principles that he is just hammering home throughout all of his works? And then all those little details or the way the words fall mm. in different numbers, how do they hold against this core principle of like God is divine, you know, is yeah. mercy itself and mm-hmm. you know all this mm-hmm. stuff. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so from um two thoughts. One is from just doing a little bit of stuff on YouTube, like we've been doing here. And we don't get much of this because I just don't think we're on the radar enough, but other people will, will take other people's videos and kind of critique them line by line, you know, and say they're, they're wrong about this. And that. and just seeing people who like political candidates who, who try to um, make speeches and, and then later people pick them over, you know, and it just makes me think of how hard it is to anticipate people's uh, arguments with what you have, how yeah. hard it is to anticipate, oh, that people might take this this way, you know, and thinking about Swedenborg writing that long ago in that way. So that that's one thought. And then I think what we're discussing here is why the NCE project that you're working on is so important. And this was for me that I never would have known that, yeah, it is it was a writing style in his day to, to, to make these broad sweeping oh, yeah. statements. This was, this was not like you know, Swedenborg wrote this way because he was a jerk and everyone else didn't. This was how you wrote <laughs> right. at the time. And yeah. knowing that kind of stuff is important because it further gets the, the natural stuff out of the way so you yes. can better right. understand the meaning. And yes, I to me, like nothing, barely anything phases me in Swedenborg because of rotting loose in the saddle. Or just such, I've found such beauty in, in, the, in it, in the whole picture that when something goes against it, I just give it the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'm going to figure the reality behind that is cool. There's no way it's not cool because God is the smartest, most loving thing. There's no way. Someday I'll get perspective and comfort. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say that the the stuff that I used to most dislike, like that none of our thoughts are our own, those kinds of Mm. things, those are my favorite now. Mm. When I was, Mm. I think, 20, Mm. I, I was like, this is stupid. But now that's like, those are the things that are saving me. Yeah. So wow. I just want to say that that's how that is. So that was a good question. That turned out to that be a great a good question. question. Yeah. All right, yeah. but not as good as this one's going to be. Let's see. Yoko Po. Swedenborg describes a celestial heaven and a spiritual heaven. Am I correct in remembering hearing that there are some angels who are a hybrid slash the link between? Short answer: Yes. Short long, answer: Yes. Long answer. Um, I don't know if I can give any more to it. The, okay. He does talk about some, yeah, some linking ones. We called them connectors in our show on the different kinds of angels. Mm-hmm. Um, like ones that, I think one one was like a spiritual sort of angel that would go to the, like he talks about spiritual angels going to the celestial heaven and preaching there. Mm-hmm. Because they like angels like to hear true ideas, this like truth-based thinking yep. from love and then they like ah oh, take it in and, <laughs> um, and I would just think of the analogy of like he parallels heaven with the like the chambers of the heart the yeah. two hemispheres of the brain the lungs and so that there are these essential crossover networking kinds of fibers mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I don't know if he calls them pleuras or yes. this or that yeah well, the, one of the coolest things about Swedenborg, since we just got done trashing him, is <laughs> that he's basically 
you want to know what's going on in heaven, study the human body. Right. That, that by, are, there, are there physical connectors between the heart and lungs? Okay. And there's, and there's some, uh, some kind of angelic connectors that, that do the same yeah. thing. I was just going to say, did, did you use the term connectors based on any current literature? or I can't remember now, but I remember that he maybe describes that in a couple of numbers or something. But I didn't, we ended up calling them connectors, I think. Because yeah. isn't there a Malcolm Gladwell or somebody like that has... Has written written about these people who they oh tipping point uh, maybe that's he, he, he wrote a book called the tipping point and there's the mavens connectors and yeah. influencer or yeah. sales people or something yes because so there are these again like the human body the we we tend to specialize in certain functions mm-hmm. and you can really see this in organizations too um, mm-hmm. you know there are people that are very good and very focused at. You know this. I, I'm doing this. I'm doing this, and, and don't interfere. Don't you know? Don't yeah. okay. I'm, and and so, and, and business people recognize this too because they'll say well, this is the silo problem. So yeah, we've got right. marketing doing just marketing, right. and they're like, well, don't tell me about engineering. Right. And the engineering is saying, well, I'm working on these circuits. Don't bother me with how we're going to market this or advertise this. And then you've got the uh, I don't know the, the the people on the shop floor who are actually constructing the thing, and they're like, no, we. We don't care about accounting, you know. Right. That we we can't think about that. We, so this is the silo problem, and and um, so the you picture picture these concrete silos, right? You know, on a on a farm, and they're not connected to each other, yeah. and that's a real problem. Yep. Yeah. And so it's really important. It turns out there are these there are these um, athletes too, actually. Who they're not particularly good at scoring or rebounding in a basketball game. Yep. They can pass. But it turns <laughs> out they're very good at passing or they're very good at, you know, what they call the locker room, the you know, the, the inspiration, mm-hmm. the, the team spirit and things like that. Oh, awesome. And and they just connect. They'll you know, so if you're if you're the center and, and you're the forward, then you know, they'll say, Well, I'm I'm this little guard. Well, you guys are bigger than me, yeah, but I I can help you guys work together, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So that Well, very so, apropos, we're in the midst of, of the NBA playoffs as we speak. <laughs> and I, I have a friend that is a his whole life is connecting. Okay. That really is I mean he he gets paid to do that. Um he's a, a hospital chaplain. But mm. then he he connects people in his ethnic community with people from other ethnic communities and then he work connects people in education with people in medicine and then he connects people with this business program to um uh non-profits i mean he yep. he's Phenomenal. I mean, he really is a connector. That is his specialty, is right. not having a specialty. Yeah. It's just connecting <laughs> right, people right, who yeah, do right, have specialty. Right. And I was saying that you can look at the human body to learn, but you could look at the human race. That if there are people yeah. doing that here, yeah. that's what we were just saying. Right. It's not like there's no way that, that we're, we have better emotion here than they have there. So yeah. There's no way that if there's people doing this amazing connecting here, but nobody in heaven can do that. You know, so th- there is, there's got to be that and that exploded out yeah i think part of the language i'm just remembering so if she's curious or he there's um the the different kinds of angels show and i think swedenborg does use the term where he even calls them sort of like spiritual celestial yep so Mm, he even uses both words to describe this one kind of angel yes that sort of is this bridge at all bridge connection (laughs) (laughs) just there you go aliens notes right Well, it's like, yeah, cause they, there, are, there are three kinds of angels. Sometimes he calls them good spirits, angelic spirits, and angels. Sometimes he calls them yes. natural angels, spiritual angels, celestial angels. And then there's spiritual, natural, natural, spiritual, celestial, <laughs> <and> rational. <laughs> so it's like, hey, man, it keeps us in business. Loosen the because saddle. We, right. we got to, in this show, like, try to explain the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I feel good about that. Should, mm-hmm. we, should we do okay. we, we We got maybe time for one or two more. Um, do you need to go through Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, i.e., do people like Jews make it into heaven? Mm. So this was something mm. that is a, this is something that is not a very hard selling point of Swedenborg, which is that you can heaven is an open door to anyone who's living rightly by what they believe. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to go into more like do you, what actually consists going through Jesus, he would have a very different take on that than say. Somebody who says you've got to say the name Jesus to get to heaven. So, right. do we have do we have thoughts on this? I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have just been thinking about you know with this infinite and you show, but the that um, 
the infinite, you know, the Lord is the divine human one, you know, that that's, and then he took on the human form of Jesus while in this world. But so ever since the infinite has been creating finite, a finite universe, it's been wanting to make a reciprocal partnership with that, you know, bring about that unity, the, the um, conjunction as Swedenborg calls it. Um, and so that's been happening ever since anything's been created. The Lord's been wanting to close the, close the loop, you know? And, um, and so Jesus, you know, in our Why Jesus Was Born episode, we talked about how the Lord coming into the world then was to clear the connection a little bit more, was like to, re, to clear it up. It had gotten totally blocked, basically, and needed to get, needed to have this, you know, rewiring happen so that we, his finite creation, could have access to the divine human one who is the infinite, mm. um, you know, to be able to connect. And so, um, in the way, so like that, so Jesus's work in this world was sort of an essential thing that sort of cleared up spiritual blockages type stuff. You can listen no, that, more about that's that the in technical the show. Term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what I mean to say is that like that love has been trying to connect with people and that even Jesus was just trying to get it's not sort of like discriminate against other religions. You need to be Christian. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was just wanting to redirect people to love, like what it really means to love. And so he embodied that love. And so, but it's really about connecting to love. Yeah. I was going to say he, he, you know, he made a point of, um, going to the Samaritans, going and telling, you know, you got to reach out to the Gentiles and things like that. And, and I, I would say, yes, in our part of the world, actually, this this aspect of um, Swedenborg's message is a big selling point. That it, It's much more inclusive. Um, but in other parts of the world, it could be a stumbling block. Yeah. I mean, because, you, know, you know, if you're really fighting with your neighbor, you really, and you really have a lot of hatred for that other person, then you, you don't you would actually prefer that they not go to heaven. Mm. Um, but I think that's, that's to me, one of the, if you're, if you're really honest with yourself, that is one of the great aspects of um, New Church theology or Swedenborgian theology is that it, it really challenges us where we need it the most. Mm. So if you're, yeah. you know, if you really would, you know, have a beef against somebody else, um, Swedenborg's message is, Actually, they're they're going to be in the life after death along with you, yeah. And you know, you'll be a lot better off, and they'll be a lot better off if you really learn how to live with each other here now, down on this plane, yeah. Um, and strive for peace. Uh, that sounds like that. <laughs> it sounds really good, actually. <laughs> and that well, so, that inclusiveness. Not everybody on YouTube likes that, you know. Oh that. yeah, so, yeah, so that's true. Um, Cara, did you have thoughts on the whole subject? I. Feel Amen, everybody. Yeah. Amen. I have great, one great, great. final thought. Sure. Which is part of what's part of the package when Swedenborg says that people of any faith can go to heaven is the uh, what you might say, like the the functional use of truth, <laughs> you know, true ideas is meant to connect you to love. And so mm. like Jesus coming into the world, he was just embodying Jewish scriptures. He was just trying to you know, his whole purpose was just say, hey, when you live according to this faith, it connects you to love. Isn't that great? You know, you guys maybe yeah. sort of forgot that that's what the purpose of this was. Yeah. And so I would say whether or not you acknowledge Jesus, you know, if you're, that's why Swedenborg says, if you're just applying the truths of your faith so that they're connecting you to love, then that's, you're, you're doing what Jesus came in the world to show us how to do. And so then you're sort of doing, you are following the way of Jesus. Mm. People always say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is only because when you follow that same path with whatever truth you have available to you, mm-hmm. you are following the way, you know? Mm-hmm. You are. Nice. Yeah, and we, when we talk about Swedenborg slamming groups of people, um, the group that I've found that he was the toughest on was his own, which was um, educated Protestant Christians that he would talk about. Um, there was so much hypocrisy and corruption mm-hmm. within the church that he would say that he would often say things like the worst of hell is from Christians is, is from <laughs> yeah. the sect that I rub elbows with. You yeah, know? that's right. Uh, and he would say that it was there's sort of like there were truths within 
Christianity that if you if you got them they were like extra potent you know so that you could advance very right. there was some like you know naked truth there that really could help however if you got it wrong he says that that many people who hadn't heard at all of Christianity did better in the afterlife because yeah. they hadn't absorbed these false principles. Right. I mean, Swedenborg was very was saying that like a lot of the Christian stuff is is a is a direct description of a reality, Jesus Christ, these kinds of things. However, if if you mixed those ideas in with this theology of the kind of hatred that you're talking about, Dan, then then you actually you don't let go of that in the afterlife. That that is a stumbling block. You're better off never having heard of Christianity and living lovingly in, in your tradition. So yeah. it's like Christianity, if you're going to go for it, like make sure you do it from the heart or it's like you, you, it's not, not helpful. Yeah. That, that, that was, I think, Swedenborg's biggest, his sort of biggest, the war he was trying to start was with these teachings in Christianity. His whole book, True Christianity, is kind of a referendum on, you could even call him a Christian reformer. Uh, because there was yeah. so much time that he spent against things like faith alone and, and harmful ideas within Christianity. Uh, let's <laughs> let's do one more. We got three okay. minutes. Let's just get this one. This is going to be the best one ever. Christian, <laughs> we're just no offense, Christian. Um, how can drugs alter or help people spiritually? Many people talk about the what the amazing things they've experienced from them. Amazing spiritual things they've experienced. Yes. Okay. So. I would say we. I don't know of any direct commentary by Swedenborg about substances, and pe- people have made accusations that he was using. But I haven't come across any like reliable documentation that shows him like you know using opiates or anything like that. So I just want to start off with that, and then I want to get your guys' thoughts, and then I'm going to say mine. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Dan, do you have a few? To- well, did you want to go first? No. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, this is, so this is a big topic. And yes. we don't have enough time to do it justice. But Two minutes. Um, <laughs> okay, so there, sometimes Swedenborg is sort of, I would say, lumped in together with a kind of New Age worldview or philosophy. And there are people in that, um, philosophy who say, yes, the way to become spiritual or have spiritual experiences is by ingesting various substances, um, psychoactive drugs, and so forth. Uh, the, uh, the literature that I've read um, on people who have, ha- who have tried that, and I'm thinking of scholars like Houston Smith, who is a, a philosopher, re- religion scholar, but, but has also tried some psychoactive drugs. They, they've said there's a qualitative difference between the kind of experience that they've had using um, drugs and what they would call a genuine spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't testify about this personally. Um, I mean, I've had some spiritual experiences, but I haven't tried any psychoactive drugs myself. But based on what I've read, there seems to be qualitative differences and there's a great discussion about cleansing the doors of perception and Aldous Huxley. And there's a whole, there's a body of literature on that 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 we could dive into at some yeah. point um, that would be that would be useful. Yes, I think there's that's great a great way to frame it. And I would my guess is that there's probably general truths about it, but there's probably not definitive answers. Like um, there's never a situation in which you can get a benefit from substance X or something like I just think about even like um, uh, antidepressants those kinds of drugs right there's times when those are over prescribed and they're not helpful there's other times it's like because of your pre-existing chemical deficiency you need this just to get to normal yes yes so there's problems so I don't think yeah I don't think we'd probably come down hard line either way Swedenborg when Swedenborg talks about spiritual growth and development he seems it seems to be like that is developed through rational sort of day-to-day action like yeah. you, that's how you so i would uh, he didn't it wasn't like his spiritual experiences were what did it for him it was this process of regeneration so i wouldn't think that he would say you can take what's that i i what's yeah, that thing ayahuasca ayahuasca like so you can tell i'm i'm hip with the drugs um, <laughs> you, can, you can just take that and then that will regenerate you but i i, I can't say for sure that there's it's like nutrition you know like iodine 
if you got too much of it, don't take it. You know, I, I, how would I know what each person needs yeah. individually? So, mm-hmm. Chelsea, do you have? Um, yeah, I was reading recently about how Swedenborg says that part of what's unique about human beings is that we have a spiritual mind and a natural mind. You know, we are we have a mind that is suited to the physical universe, and part of our mind is suited to the spiritual world, and um, and so those two and the what he says about how the physical world connects to the spiritual world is by correspondence that's actually he says that's the only means of conjunction i it's like that's something to think about for a while i was like what but that it's by correspondences that the physical world connects to the spiritual world and i think if you have a psychoactively triggered experience you know like there's always this you know, discussion around our spiritual experiences. Is there some neurological reason for them happening or do they happen apart from any neurochemical, whatever that's going on? It's like, uh, I would just think that idea of correspondences of like, if you were having a, some sort of spiritual experience from a psychoactive drug, is that experience corresponding to what a genuine spiritual experience is? You know, like, is it sort of, is it a, a reflection of it and um and then also uh yeah interesting to think about how um people can uh you know when we have real experiences whether they've been you know they they just add to the mix of like what our experiences are and our spiritual process overall Mm -hmm. you know like the lord's going to use anything any experience that we have but i don't think I don't think that there would necessarily be a direct connection of like, well, take a physical drug to get the spiritual experience. It and might, I don't know, you like, know, like, it, like it's like a ladder on shoots and ladder, you know, like that that game shoots and ladder. <laughs> right. It's not a um, bypass. Yeah, <laughs> and I would like to complicate it by saying it's a, and a, we'll, we'll end soon. We're a couple minutes over, <laughs> but this is kind of interesting to me. Um, it's a, it's a, um, it's a continuum because I know Swedenborg drank a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a substance that has right. an effect on oh, the brain. Yeah. When he was writing, I mean, he, he, I heard that when he was like really in his writing mode, he would just like eat sort of rolls and milk and coffee, and like that was what he did. So yeah. anyway, it looked like you were going to say something. Well, I was just going to say part of this, part of the answer to this question, um, hinges on the definition of the word spiritual oh, or yes. spiritually terms, mm-hmm. and, yep. and so um, not to dwell on that too much, but. You know, there's there's a spiritual experience in the sense of a paranormal experience, something out of the ordinary, okay? Yes. And then there's a spiritual experience, mm-hmm. putting the emphasis there, because um, repentance is a spiritual process and experience. Right. Yes. Forgiveness is a spiritual experience, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these, yes. these are, right. you know, consciously, mm-hmm. intentionally choosing... Um, generosity mm-hmm. over greed yeah. is a spiritual experience. Yes, yeah. So, I, so just, Sweden, yeah. in Swedenborgianese, the spiritual has a moral component to it. Yeah, which not a, okay. Good. So let's let's say we don't know. I mean, like let's say no, <laughs> not that. We're not going to say that. We're going to say we don't have enough time. We would definitively. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, did you have anything? Then then we're gonna then we're gonna go. Um, Thank you. This was a lot of fun this for me, was, this whole panel discussion. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys uh, coming out and, and doing that. Hopefully, everyone at home had fun, and that's it. So we're going to – just kidding. I, I got a note that we're supposed to talk about the 100th episode, uh, which – so next Monday, we're going to be filming a show in front of a live audience, like real people in the room with us, and you could be one of those people. There's the info there we're talking about. Uh, the campus of Bernathan College, uh, which is just just north of Philadelphia. If you're in the area, come on out, hang out with us. It's free. There's no charge. Um, we're we're celebrating uh, almost two years of this crazy show. So that's going to be fun, and uh, we'll see you guys there next week. Thanks again to the, the whole panel, and hope to see you guys uh, there live.